We should be live now. Okay. Uh, so welcome everyone to the third episode of podcasts, uh, a podcast where I try to interview the maximum experts about advertising, digital marketing in general. Today we are here with Barry Hot, and um, for the very few ones who don't know you, I please ask you to introduce yourself. Anything I would say is way far less of a, <laughs> with, uh, comparing it to what you can say about yourself. Sure. So a bit yeah. of context. All right, sure. Hey, I'm Barry Hot. I am a longtime Facebook ad nerd. I've been doing ads on Facebook since uh, 2008, so it's been a while, uh, back when they were in the right column only. Since then, I've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on ads for big old brands like AT&T, Toyota, Kraft, Microsoft. And then more recently, in the last few years, I've been in the more D2C aggressive growth performance marketing space, working with brands like Keeps, Hubble, Lumen Skin, uh, Athletic Greens, uh, Harry's Razors, uh, lots of stuff like that. Um, and now I uh, part own a, uh, <laughs> I own part of a creative agency called AdCrate, adcrate.co, um, where I advise them. And uh, I do some consulting, advising, and uh, a lot of stuff just surrounding the Facebook ads space. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Bing Hot, uh, for all my hot takes. That's great. That's great. And I can confirm you are one of the greatest consultants. I have the, the honor to ask for a consultation, oh, too. thank you. That's so, uh, and um, you, you, are, uh, you have like a pretty uh, nice personality about uh, uh, what you are saying about Facebook ads. You have, I love all, uh, all almost every theory and uh, every method that you have about Facebook yeah. ads. And Thanks. the first one, which is like the elephant in the room, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is the Make Ugly Ads uh, yeah. slogan that you invented. And here <laughs> comes my first question. And actually sure. the question that people have asked me also in the Telegram group, which mm -hmm. is, what do you mean by ugly ads? Yeah. Why ugly ads work? Yeah. And how do you define something is ugly or not ugly? Sure. We can spend the whole hour talking about this. That's a that was a big question. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's what what is making ugly ads? Making ugly ads comes out of me working on a lot of clients in the last you know, I mean my whole career, but especially the more recent months and years where um, I've had clients, too many clients who would literally get in their own way making ads that don't perform well and really just trying to make ads that don't belong on social and put them on social. And the whole concept with Make Ugly Ads is that we as marketers are biased. We believe uh, we were taught a lot of traditional marketing things. Most marketers I know are taught like a lot of marketing like ideas that were come from books or come from like what used to work in print and what used to work in in tv ads and all of that stuff was super polished because ads in print magazines and on tv were being run alongside of very polished content the news or tv shows that are shot you know in professional studios so it would make yeah. sense for your ad content to be shot in a similar aesthetic uh, same thing with you know, in magazines, right? If you're reading a, a magazine, the photos in that are going to be pretty polished and nice. So it makes sense that your print, you know, magazine uh, ads would also look that way. So on social, it's very much the opposite. And it's only gotten further and further and further from that pretty, you know, aesthetic view. Like years ago, like when Instagram was becoming a thing, like, yeah, there was a whole idea of like people were kind of shooting in this like nice way, kind of. And it was kind of elevated, kind of. But, you know, now, I mean, even even then making ugly ads was still what worked. But now more so than ever um, with with the short form uh, viral videos, you know, the TikToks that are everywhere. Everything is TikTokified now. Just you can't like, sorry, it's not even just that like the, the content is TikTok about it's that the algorithms are. So the algorithms are now not just showing you, you're not going on Facebook to only see your friends. That's what Facebook used to be. You'd go on Facebook, you'd see what your friends are doing and then you'd see some ads in it. 
Um, so it would make sense to make ugly ads in that case. Then uh, you'd be on Instagram. Uh, when Instagram came around, you see you follow your friends. And you also follow like celebrities and like maybe other brands or pages you like. Um, and it still made sense to make ugly ads, but, you know, maybe a little different then. But now with TikTok uh, and, the, and Instagram reels and everything like that, the algorithms are showing you content not from your friends. They're showing you content from pages you've never heard of before. So it's a bigger battle for attention than ever, 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 ever before. So anyone who wasn't making ugly ads, you know, two, three years ago, they were doing okay. They're probably fine. But now they're probably in way more trouble as their ads feel more like ads to users. And people are sniffing that out, feeling that subconsciously, and no one wants to see your ads. So the goal of Make Ugly Ads is to make stuff that people want to or expect to see. Um, and the other is to challenge your own beliefs. Like even if I'm saying like, oh, let me shoot this like with the like turn off my lights. Like maybe I'll turn off this light mm -hmm. like to uh, oops, like to like see if this does better. Um, yeah. Or like maybe I, or my intention is like, oh, actually, I want to have this ring light on or whatever it is to shoot an ad. But maybe that makes it less authentic. I mean, maybe that's bad. I mean, this is a too small of a change. If I turn off this light, hold on. If I turn off this light, like, I don't know. This is much more authentic, you yeah. know, than in a way than when you have the studio light on. So, like, that's that's the thing. It's just about challenging your own bias and your own belief and shooting things in less conventional, traditional advertising ways. That's great. So, <laughs> yeah, that's great. So to sum up, you actually say that for the context where we are advertising, which is a social platform, a yeah. platform which should be like from the users, but made by the users, yeah. literally. So yeah. make ugly ads means that you should like put less attention on the quality, maybe also mm -hmm. of the video shoots uh, of the setup in general. And mm -hmm. that's interesting. That's very, very interesting. And do you think mm -hmm. that um, like... Um, People also argue that here we can connect to a lot of mm -hmm. things, but uh, people yeah. could think that ugly ads may also like ruin the brand image. Right. Like <laughs> this is a common question, I, I suppose, that yeah. you had that. But how what is like the limit between making ugly ads and yeah. making ads that can ruin your brand? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Ads that can ruin your brand are usually uh, ones that are that are what people spent way too much time and energy on. And like, if you think about like the, that Pepsi ad from years ago with the mm. uh, Kai, was it Kylie Jenner or whatever it was and the stupid like protest thing? Like, I don't know. I didn't ruin Pepsi. I still drink Pepsi. I still like Pepsi, but like that was a, an ad that had a lot of energy put into it and people didn't like it. So I don't think ugly ads uh, can really hurt your hand. Um, Bad ads can hurt your brand, whether or not they're ugly or pretty. And there was something you said a second ago that I wanted to um, address. Wait, what was the first part of your question? Um, it is like, what is the uh, like the the most the, the limit between uh, ruining your brand and making ugly ads? No, that was the actual one question. Yeah. Um, it goes back to like just what actually matters. And oh, I remember what you said. You said you said to not focus, I remember. You said to not focus too much attention, not pay not put too much energy into uh like oh, yeah. the, the oh, yeah, But yeah. I actually wanted to chime in and say like I put a lot of thought into that. And I'm saying you do need to be intentional and you do need to be thinking about it, but you don't need to be like doing the most expensive, most mm. premium version of it just because you can. And there's a there's an interesting piece I want to talk about about that, which is that historically and traditionally, the ad world is is very much fueled by creative agencies, ad agencies that are doing everything they can to squeeze every dollar they can out of their clients. That's not really typical. I don't really see that in the modern day advertising yeah. like in in performance marketing, but a lot of those there's a lot of like leftover feelings from that in the industry. 
And so when I see a big brand still do a like, or even a small local brand do like a only focus on like a local sale. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like it's a big holiday for them, but also like if they put more energy into their evergreen creative, they could have more business all year round. And then that sale will do even better. But the creative agencies, a lot of those creative agencies are, they're incentivized to just make as many, to get paid to make as many concepts as possible. So if you make one ad concept that can work for two, four, you know, whatever, 10 years, then your creative agency isn't making money all those years. Or maybe yeah. you are in, maybe you are in residuals. I like to think about uh, the Cadbury eggs uh, ads. I think that's the one I'm uh, thinking of that I have run ads for like the same ads for 20 years. But so mm. few brands do that. They're like, oh, we got to do our new campaign this year for this holiday. Oh, we got to do this new. Okay. And it's such a big waste because you're only creating these things for this moment. But you're not learning from it or improving or, or continuously gaining traction. So there is value. I'm not saying there's, there's no value in those moments. But I'm saying that the brands that I see go after those moments are doing almost nothing in terms of evergreen always on awareness or not even not even awareness evergreen always on performance yeah. um so i wanted to just address that like that is there are like lots of things just like people that like you know my generation and even the the new the new current you know younger generation like they're still managed by uh people who did work at these old ad agencies or people that were managed by the so a lot of the structures, a lot of the processes are left over from that. And we kind of still have to shake that out of the system. And just in terms of like agencies and client relationships and creative to rather than do all of those things, focusing on creative that should perform well for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. um, so like that's just like a bigger piece I wanted to get into um, is like thinking through a big part of like for me making ugly ads i don't know if it's really about making ugly ads but like a big part of it is like i want to make an ad that can last you know two three four five years that's and like perform for that long and that's yeah. hard a lot of people a lot of agencies currently are still like like create ads that are short-lived and create this feeling of mm -hmm. Oh, you need to you know, oh ad fatigue. You need to you need to keep feeding the beast. Um, and you know, in some ways, in some a lot of accounts, especially when you're spending more and more, like yeah, sure, that's true. Um, but I think that there's a lot of waste and a lot of there's not a lot of reuse and recycling of of yeah. performing assets. We often just like oh, it performed well, and then it stopped performing, and we turn it off, and then we know we didn't go back to it. Um, and I think like, oh, go back to that in a month or two months and it might perform well again. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the going back to your actual question, though, uh, about like hurting brands, it is hurting your brand more to not make ads that people will see. Because on social, nobody is going to see your ad if you don't make something that they want to see. Everyone can just scroll right by it. And it's like yeah. fractions of a second that it takes for someone to subconsciously start to understand what they're seeing. And it's that first moment that can kill it. So if you throw your logo in immediately and nobody knows your brand, you're killing your ad. If you throw your logo in and people do know your brand, okay, then you're basically telegraphing only to your existing you know, people that are warm and fans yeah. of you that they're going to pay attention, but you're not really making something that's going to work well for your colder audiences. And that's a problem. So my goal in terms of like helping brands grow and helping businesses grow is making stuff that is for the viewer first and mm -hmm. then gets them, you know, gets them, gets their attention, gets them to keep paying attention adding either adding value for them or making them feel something. And then it pivots to the product and the, the brand. And some of my favorite ads that I've, I've like, like to, to look at, like from Dr. Squatch or from some other, some other brands 
like they don't even get to the say the brand or product until like 15 seconds in. Like that's crazy if you think about like yeah. traditional, you know, like three years ago, Facebook or, or whatever it was, Facebook was saying like, oh, you got to get your, you got to make a six second video and you got to get your brand in the first three seconds. And <laughs> yeah, I don't I remember. remember what that was, what metrics that was based on, but it's from some <laughs> over, giant mega meta analysis of like brand awareness or something probably. And like had very skewed data, but whatever, like that's just not what performs well. It's not what people want to see. Um, so I, it's just, you know, bad, <laughs> bad guidance. <laughs> that's really, really interesting. And you said something that is really uncommon, I would say, in these years, but I think you are very correct, which is I want to make ads that can last as long as possible, that can still perform as long as possible. Yeah. And so uh, here you, we may find some, most of the people maybe disagree with this, but mm. actually it is possible even on social media, yeah. uh, Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising to have, to have ads that can last longer and to have your like evergreen ad, which yeah. still performs after years. Also yeah. from an alg algorithmic point of view, the most data that ad ca can get, the better it can yes, become. Generally, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what is, um, but you said also uh, creative agencies are focusing, maybe some creative, creative agencies are focusing too much on like perfect setups, uh, perfect things to make ads that can live shorter than uh, what they could potentially do. So do you have like any guidance, uh, any uh, recommendations to make ads that actually can perform as long as possible from a general point of view? Yeah. Um, try to, you know, look, it's fun to make ads that like follow trends and be like, oh, okay. Like here's that hook that everyone's, you know, is working right now. Oh, six reasons why, or, you know, or <laughs> like whatever it is, like, it's fun to jump on those. And I, I do generally encourage that, but like know that those are based on a trend and those will die, mm -hmm. you know? So, what I, I like to look at in a big, again, a big thing about Make Ugly Ads, like I'm trying to look at not the trend, like the what is the like actual, like what is the sound or what is the the three second like statement that people are using? Like a lot of what, what Savannah Sanchez, shout out, huge shout out to Social Savannah. Um, I love her, the content she puts out and she makes great ads, but like she's often putting out good recommendations for like hooks to use and I, and like those are great. But I think a lot of those are maybe short-lived. What I mm -hmm. look at, and I'm not crapping on social Savannah, like, by the way, shot huge. No, no, no. She's amazing. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I look at more so, like, what are the vibes of it? Like, wh how, what is the camera angle for these that people mm -hmm. are using? Not necessarily in the ads that inspire, like, those ads, but in the organic content. Like, is it, you know, shot from... Is it shot from here down? Oh, sorry, down mm -hmm. low. Is it shot up here? Probably not. So like that's the stuff I'm looking at. And like, where is the lighting? You know, mm -hmm. where is mm -hmm. the light? Where is the light source? Where is like what else is in the background? Is it cluttered? Is it clean? Like those are kinds of the things that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about like the pacing of the language, how quickly someone is speaking or how slowly mm -hmm. are they speaking loud? Or are they whispering? Are they, are they getting really, you know, speaking really intimately and talking about the product like this? Um, or not product, but talking about whatever it is they're interested in. Those are the things that I'm looking at. And then I want to go and make a story that is relatable and authentic. And that is hard. Especially, like, when you're trying to do it in this, like, UGC world where we're trying to, like, go on whatever platform hire the cheapest creators you can mm -hmm. and just like kind of roll the dice on it. So like, I want to be more intentional with it. I want to hire actors. I want to like hire more experienced creators who might have a, a take on something. They might have a perspective on something that isn't just pursuing a trend, but it's like making a fun piece of content. And, um, you know, you see, I actually see this a lot with like on TikTok. There's a lot of great brand partnerships with creators, but a lot mm -hmm. of those, don't make the leap to being a good ad. Um, mm -hmm. I worked with Harry's Razors not long ago, and they did a collaboration with the 
the cake guy one of the one of the guys that was on the cake show on netflix um okay and they made this really fun piece of content where like he made a cake that looked like harry's razors it's so neat it's really <laughs> cool but like and that's a great brand overall thing like i, I recommend that but it doesn't work from a performance perspective mm-hmm. um it maybe could we could maybe get that as a hook and use part of that where he's like slicing into a cake that looks like a razor yeah. that's just a razor like maybe that's a hook but it's not that relatable or whatever so it's about not just going after those partnerships for that brand reason that re- their reach but going after creators that really can make great content to also solve the problem and there's it's this weird gap because they're not influencers they're not necessarily big audience people but they're storytellers they're creators they're that there's this weird world and i'm trying to find those people and work with those people yeah yeah so uh, as you can as you said the like relatability is the key of success for also from my perspective once yeah. i i found out that you can actually speak to your audience thanks to your ads and actually solve their problems which is not like a a buzzword oh, solve their problems your ads will get better it yeah. actually is like this but yeah. you should actually know what your people what your audience needs yeah before (laughs) telling that is not enough you should actually know what they actually want yeah and and from that point of view um we can connect to like Mm -hmm. uh uh, from the ad creative section to Mm -hmm. like the analysis section um (laughs) and you i i really love how do you dive deeper into the data and i'm sure you can provide a lot of value uh Mm -hmm. but uh, um before starting with Mm -hmm. the question i wanted to to tell you that you are like the first advertiser i Mm -hmm. heard of uh which is the first telling about not looking at CPMs and CTRs uh, as nice. K-metric. Thank you. Uh, the, that was really mind-blowing. Once I tried, to, um, I started applying all of your advices about how to actually make ads yeah. that don't rely on CTR because you can, like, it's easy to increase the CTR, yeah. adding uh, clickbait headlines, uh, clickbait right. hooks, yeah. uh, uh, click for this incredible offer, yeah. a lot of clicks, uh, no sales. Yeah. And one of the reasons, of course, of <laughs> besides of, of course, uh, having a bad, creating a bad experience to yeah. the people who actually click on it is also because the less clicks, uh, more quality you have in your website, the better also gets your Facebook ads. And yes. this is something that people don't uh, understand don't mm, the the majority of them don't yeah. understand actually yeah. but besides of this so you can also tell a bit better what, what i tried to say mm-hmm. uh, about ctr and cpms but what is like the way you look at the yeah. data to understand if an ad is performing okay of course there are like in the videos there are hold create and hold rate yeah. and we'll talk about this for sure yeah. and what about the statics also and mm-hmm. what is your approach um my approach is just to focus on the cost per cost for the acquisition cost for the goal conversion um you know post ios 14 like we're getting worse data on add to carts initiate checkout so you can't i used to use those i used to love optimizing for purchase and then mm-hmm. looking at cost per initiate checkout or cost per add to cart as mm-hmm. my like indicators and now you can't really do that as well um I'll, I'll give you this nugget like sometimes i like i make a custom metric some for some accounts where i take uh add to carts plus initiate checkout plus purchase raw the raw numbers Mm -hmm. i put them all together and do cost per that so that now i know cost per all of those actions and typically if you have an ad that's doing all of those well it's it's a good ad it's usually the one with the best cpa anyway so i'm still playing with that but it's a fun custom metric i sometimes look at um because it can help you maybe early on maybe um but yeah like like you said, like CTR can be very misleading. CPC can be very misleading. CPM can be very misleading because these are dynamic platforms like Facebook. You're not just delivering on Facebook. You're delivering on Facebook and Instagram. And you're not just delivering on yeah. Facebook and Instagram. You're delivering on feed. You're delivering on stories. You're delivering on reels. You're delivering on desktop. You're delivering on mobile. All these are variables. And then those and then you get further into it. Your ad is being delivered to men, to women. 18 year olds 50 year olds 90 year olds all these people have different ways that they consume content 
different costs associated to them because they're they're in different demand. Like, so the system has to account for all of that. And it's trying to get you the lowest cost per whatever you're going for, let's say purchases, right? And if that means it can get more purchases from a cheaper CPM from older audiences or a more expensive CPM that convert more from cheap younger audiences, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't mm -hmm. matter because the system's handling it. My goal is make, make ads that can lower all of those costs lower, most importantly, my cost per acquisition by being able to be delivered to the most relevant people that they can't, that, that I can. So I don't want to make an ad that only works on one placement. I want to make ads that can work on Instagram feed and Facebook feed and Instagram reels. That's where you, if you really dig into the placement breakdowns, that's where you can find some massive wins. And I can't tell you what the cheat code is to make an ad that's just great on all placements. It's really hard, but when you make a really great ad, it tends to work well uh, and be relatable on all those different placements. And then, you know, as everyone says, like target with your creative, that's what we're talking about is mm -hmm. your, whatever your hook is, whatever the rest of your content is, whatever your image is, it's going to appeal to some people more than others. Make, if you can make it as appealing as possible to the broadest possible relevant audience, Right. Don't make clickbait. Don't make, you know, super, super broad stuff. But make stuff that's as broad as relevantly possible, whatever that means. Um, then you'll find more pockets of users that will relate to your ads, which gives Facebook the chance to go into more auctions that you're more efficient in and you will benefit from it. That's that's the game. So I want to make ads that can make sense to the most people in terms of age range and appeal to the most people like both men and women and it works on all these placements and maybe like you know we, we can talk about ge geographic too like in the u.s like there are some phrases and words and and accents that will resonate more with different parts of the country hmm. you know the, the you know like some if you wanted to just think about how if you're already advertising on Facebook, you you can go in and look at how an ad delivers. It never delivers 50-50 mm -hmm. male, female. It delivers 60-40 yeah. or whatever it is. So the system's optimizing based on that. But it's doing it based on so many other factors that we either can't see or don't think about. So imagine, yeah. you know, running an ad with a southern accent, like a Texan, a deep Texan accent. That's maybe going to perform better in texas maybe it might not I, there's no guarantees maybe yeah, a yeah. british maybe a british accent will perform better than anything and be more relatable because it's it's seen as as elevated um mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't maybe it would crash and burn um but those are things that go into those are things i'm thinking about but those are things that actually genuinely impact performance so and impact people's perception so that's why when i talk about like lighting and i talk about camera angles I talk about things like that. It's because those are the things that fundamentally impact how people perceive instantly, subconsciously perceive your ads. And I'm trying to get more people to not ignore my ads. Yeah, definitely. So the, this is a great point. So you are looking, of course, at the CPA, which should be, if you're doing performance marketing, it should be your goal, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also curious about how do you understand if that specific ad is going good because uh, many people may say, okay, but there's like the double attribution between mm -hmm. among uh, uh, many platforms. Uh, okay, but how can you be sure that this uh, like is counting the most conversions as possible and it is not iOS 14 that maybe is prioritizing another ad? So mm -hmm. how do you handle all of this like uncertainty with uh, like yeah. having multiple? That actually reminds me. So like your question before, you're, you put, you said something before about like CTR. Um, I actually mm -hmm. want to go back to that and it'll relate. Um, yeah. So a lot of people that maybe work on maybe bigger brands or they've gotten, they've been educated by people for, that have worked on bigger, higher spending accounts and brands and things. Mm -hmm. There is very likely a chance that there are people who would listen to me say like, well, CTR doesn't matter. It doesn't correlate to CPAs or CPC doesn't correlate to CPAs. Um, and they would have data to prove that they do correlate 
and they would have data mm-hmm. to prove that I'm wrong. And in a way, they'd be right. Um, but I, at a, and I'll get into why, but I'm saying at a macro level, uh, across many accounts, across many things, it doesn't do that. And I actually want to talk about like this because this relates to attribution. If you run a larger account that's spending on multiple platforms and you're trying to get click attributable conversions on Facebook, Facebook will count a conversion uh, after, well, if you're doing one day view, it'll mm-hmm. count a conversion after just an, an impression. That can be any impression, including a right column ad. So yeah. that has almost no impact. Um, but if it's a one day click or seven day click, all Facebook needs to do to, in order to count that conversion as and credit it to the ads is get a click on the ad, not even like a link click that a link. They don't even need to click on the link to leave the site. They just need to click on like comments or click the pause button on an ad. Mm-hmm. And that counts as a click. And if they, if that user purchases later that day or within whatever period, seven days, um, that will be attributed to that ad. Now, mm-hmm. when you're a bigger, bigger brand spending lots and lots more money, the system doesn't know or care the difference between a conversion that it caused or a conversion mm-hmm. that happened after someone clicked. All it's, you know, if you think about how machine learning works, it's just inputs and outputs. So the, the output is that it's trying to get you is more attributable conversions. But also mm-hmm. the input can be, oh, I can just get this person who's already shown these warm signals or already en- engaged with this brand, engaged with this page. Um, so like in those situations, you might actually see a higher click-through rate correlates because it's just the ad that's getting the cheapest clicks to <laughs> to be counted as conversions. So like yeah. that's what I, that could they can happen in those bigger accounts and why they could have those that data. Uh, the other thing is also a lot of people that like believe CPCs or CPMs matter are the people who are turning off ads with high CPCs or high mm-hmm. CPMs, and that yeah. way they'll have data when they look back in you know in the future when they look back they'll have data that says well look my my CPCs and CPMs are the ones we've spent the most on they're the ones that have performed the best. What are you talking about? And it's that self-selection bias yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question or there's more you wanted me to get into in terms of attribution. Yeah, yeah. I, the, my question was like, uh, if you had to handle, I, I'm, I'm sure you are actually right now handling some accounts like this, mm-hmm. but like that are spending on multiple platforms. How do you understand like, okay, this is the ad I want to keep on on this ads manager, <laughs> Facebook yeah. account. Well, what is like your process, the things you are looking at and how do you try to solve this? Because we cannot actually solve 100% attrib- how attribution works because we should also take into account that a, a view, an impression may count actually as a conversion that we shouldn't ignore completely like one day views or like seven day clicks, which actually can have, from my perspective, an impact uh, on your customer journey uh if you clicked on an ad seven days ago and then you purchase after six thanks to google in, in that case it's also thanks to facebook of course we will count maybe double conversions on facebook and google but like how do you handle and how do you approach to like this i mean it's just imperfect like there's like a gut some of it's a gut check um I generally like recommend people have a few different data points. If you're not, if you haven't been through it before, then you want to be looking at platform data. You want to look at like third party data, like a triple well, a North beam, something like that. And then you also want to look at uh, post-purchase surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of those are going to be, don't expect to get accurate or true information from any of those. Um, don't expect to have a source of truth, which is rough because like every, if you're at a big enough company where there's like a CFO or maybe even the CEO or maybe even the CMO like wants like, all right, what what do we, we put what dollars in, we've got what dollars out and they want to know that specifically. And like, yeah, we can track that in Facebook and we can track that for all these, but that also undercuts the broader value of every impression that we run. Like, you know, if, yeah, maybe I put $100 in and got two purchases out immediately. But who's to say that those people didn't like someone someone else who saw that ad wasn't impacted by it 
and maybe mm-hmm. they didn't aren't ready to buy now, but maybe they'll buy in a month, or maybe they'll you know if it's a maybe they'll buy it in the holidays. Maybe they bookmarked it. Maybe they sent it to their their husband, their wife to buy it for them later. You know, depending on what it is. Um, so there's always this bigger impact that I think we can't we we don't get to attribute in those situations. Um, so that's one problem, and then. The other problem is that there is overlap and there just has to be overlap. And that's a, we have to be better about that and okay with that and understand that that's a good thing, but that also the platforms are going to just be like both claiming credit for it. And that's the bad, that's the bad thing. And that the platforms because they're like machine learning can actually learn to be lazier. Um, so, and when I say lazier, because they, they can, they don't have to do as much work to drive actual conversions, to drive actual sales. So, um, where was I going to go with that? The, I don't know. I lost, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about like, um, how we, how oh, yeah. do you determine which oh, right. ads to keep? I was going to tell a story. I was going to tell a story. So like, first of all, I use in-platform data. To, to answer that question, I use in-platform data and I, mm-hmm. that I trust that. I also question it, right? Like I, I'm critical of it and I'm thinking like, is if I'm using seven day click and one day view, is that teaching the system to do what I want it to do? Or should I maybe switch to seven day click? Or maybe should I switch, mm-hmm. maybe should I only be using one day click because mm-hmm. maybe I'm doing too many other things. But if I do one day click only, I also have to remember that I'm giving the system less data but yeah. maybe it's more accurate data to what I want, but also it's way undervaluing uh, in Facebook what I actually am getting at, you know, driving. Yeah. Um, but like the, the story I, I like telling is that I have a, a consulting client uh, who asked me basically this question, like, Barry, what do I, how do I know? Like i look at my North beam or triple well, and you know, it says this and my Facebook says this and my GA says this. And I was like, look, yeah, you came to me, how do, I said to him, how did you find me? How are, why are you paying me money? And he said, yeah. well, at first I think I saw you on someone else's YouTube channel doing an interview. And then I saw you on the Ad Topsy YouTube channel. Shout out Ad Topsy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I f- saw you on Twitter. And then I saw you in Andrew Foxwell's uh, group. And I, th- and I just like saw you saying smart things in there. So I reached out. And then now I'm paying you. And I was like, okay, attribute that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, like, is that? Do you attribute that to the first thing, which was that first, you know, interview that he saw? No, because he wasn't going to book me from that. You know, he wasn't going to book me straight just from the other from Ad Tops. He wasn't going to book me straight from Twitter. So it took all of those steps, seeing me multiple times, for him to finally get across the line, um, and just you know approach me and want to work with me. And it's the same thing with advertising. So I can't attribute that and say like, Oh, I should put more, you know, spend more on this or this. It's kind of just like, Oh, I should do more of a lot of things. Um, so even like post-purchase surveys are really kind of, you know, I think biased. I like that getting the, I love post-purchase surveys and getting data from them, mm-hmm. but also they're so biased. <laughs> like, yeah. like the way that you, 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 you know, use them and the way one marketer might use them versus another, they're all so different. Yeah, but definitely. you know when your TikTok ads can drive some value and your Facebook ads and there's overlap or like you know your Facebook prospecting ads if you're doing like face you know like or whatever it is like you might just ha- have 10 someone might need to see an ad 10 times on Facebook or Instagram before they're ready to actually buy and they like need to be like oh you know what yeah it's fine I need to go and actually finally buy that who knows okay yeah, yeah, that's great. And also, I I think that you also look at the spending uh, as one of the metric. Uh, we we had the chance to talk oh. about this. Oh yeah, so sorry. Much. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and how could you explain people? Like I I understood very well your your like your take on spending sure. and your uh, and why do you attribute that to like a sort of meritocracy? Yeah. Uh, point yeah. of view, but how. Can we explain to people how does it work? Totally. Great. Okay. Now I understand. So great question. Uh, and shout out to Charlie. You know, I know Charlie was your first episode. Uh, yeah. You know, I love Charlie. Charlie and I, you know, agree on a lot of big things. We disagree on some things, but um, I mostly like his, you know, how he goes about uh, advertising. 
Um, he's been doing it a long time too. Um, but yeah, like the, the whole spend is a meritocracy thing. Like you're, you're telling the system to optimize for what you want. You're saying, Hey, here's system. We want purchases. Here are the rules, um, within with which, and you can play the game. So go get me the most purchases with the, all these ads that I have. And it's going to, it is going to based on the data that it has, um, for both conversions and for other metrics that we can't possibly know, like attention. I don't, I can't say out like that this is true. I can't say that this is 100% accurate, but like having studied Facebook for a long time, talked to engineers, like I'm very familiar with how it works. And I'm very sure that attention is one of the biggest leading indicators of how Facebook is going to optimize spend to different ads before it has good conversion data. So that's not, I can't guarantee that, but that's typically what I see. Um, so I'd recommend if you're hearing that for the first time and go think about that and go think about like, oh yeah, that makes sense before I'm getting conversion data, the ads that are getting the most views for the longest amount of time are probably getting the most delivery. Um, so that it's use it's predicting which ads are going to do best. And early on when you're optimizing new ads, it might get it more wrong, but as you get more sales data and as you get more uh, conversion data, the system's going to optimize based on predicting which ad should get more spend so that it can overall get you the lowest cost per purchase. So when you look at, if you have five ads in an ad set, the ad that's doing the best, assuming you've gotten enough conversions, is the top spending ad. It's almost never the second top spending ad or the third one, even if one of those has a lower CPA or a higher return on ad spend. It's that's usually misleading, and that's the breakdown effect. Um, yeah, and that's where you're like you as a human see the CPA there, but you don't as a human understand why the system has not been spending more on that ad. It's been spending more on the top spending ad because yeah. the system understands and predicts and usually is, is accurate that by spending more on that top ad overall, it's actually going to be able to scale more to more users than that second ad, which goes back to my point earlier about uh, like the spectrum of age, gender placements, all of these things an ad that is able to find more relevant users and relevant attention across more ages and more demographics and more placements, that's actually the one that's going to probably scale best. So that's what it's, it's often looking for. And that's, again, those like that data I was talking about before is a big part of what fuels how I look at this spend as a meritocracy thing, because yeah. they, they're very intertwined. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And also, uh, also Charlie, as you mentioned, that mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned him uh, in the first episode, told mm -hmm. that maybe the ads that he stopped spending is the one, as you said, that can resonate to uh, uh, as much larger audience as possible, yeah. and maybe it is providing like. Uh, the lowest CPA maybe on the third or on the fourth top spending because yeah. they are actually the second impression, let's call it, uh, mm -hmm. after that top spending one, which made uh, made possible to have a low right. CPA. Oh my God, right, 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 right. 100%, especially now with ASC. Especially now with yeah. ASC where... I say that because like a lot of people that I know, a lot of accounts that I audit, and I do a lot of account audits... Um, Shout out, I'll, I'll plug my, I have an account audit template. Uh, if anyone wants to check it out, it's on my website. Um, but when I view a lot of these uh, accounts, people are excluding visitors or excluding engagers from their prospecting mm -hmm. ads. And I, I, I don't really have anything wrong with that, but it, it, it is problematic when you're like manually controlling that prospecting separately from the retargeting and you're saying, okay, once someone does this one action, this very specific action, now let's exclude them and capture them in this retargeting thing. And yeah. some, a lot of people still do that. And that's, again, not, not like a huge crime. There's a lot of good uses for that. But it means that now that prospecting ad set can't show more ads to that user. But also, mm -hmm. at the same time, 
maybe that in that prospecting ad set, someone watched a video and didn't click or they watched, mm-hmm. a, you know, 10 seconds of it and they didn't click. And then maybe yeah. they need to see that be shown that video again. We don't have that data. We don't have any way to see that. We don't know. Like, yeah, we can look at ad frequency, but that's an average. Like yeah, yeah. someone exactly. could be seeing an ad once a week. Another person could be seeing an ad seven times a week, 10 times a week. The average, you know, is, is, is really misleading. So, you know, that, that is, it's, it's impossible to know what's actually going on. And that's why I'm a big fan of ASC and a big fan of removing most exclusions um, from a lot of, a lot of ad spend so that the system can do that. It can take your best ads and show them to the right people as much as it can and then pepper in other ads, um, whatever. Because like for a long time, and this very much like is still a thing, uh, I think I'm going to be debating this with uh, the with some guys next week. Um, uh, so follow me on Twitter for this. But like there's still a lot of thought around the prospecting versus retargeting and wanting to do that and wanting to like send different messages. And I'm, you know, okay if you have specific messaging you want to retarget, like, cool, whatever, go for it. But I'm also saying don't firmly believe that just because someone's been to site, they don't want or need to see your prospecting ads again. And the prospecting ads are very often your most entertaining, relatable, attention-grabbing content that do a good job if you make a really great ad they're doing a good job of uh, hitting on problems. They're doing a good job of uh, making people feel that and solving the problem, talking about the product, talking about the brand. That's what good ads actually really do And I, when I think about a great ad. And that can work to the same users, right? That same kind of – like you don't need to just be like, oh, they've been to site, so now let's give them static images uh, that just like give them a, a discount or give them just like – one you know pretty product shot now because they, they now they know us now now they'll recognize it which is it's yeah. true but it's also like very biased and it's like human interference in this now machine run process yeah i'm also thinking about like the the user perspective they see one other one ad of yours in the prospecting campaigns then you exclude them because they saw your ad and you right. put them in the retargeting campaign in the retargeting campaign you Usually it's a bit of more like pushy, uh, like read the reviews, uh, take this discount code. And maybe they need to see like another, let's call it feature that you mentioned maybe in another ad in the prospecting campaign, but they can't see because they are not, uh, they uh, they have been excluded by that audience. And so here comes to my actually last question, which is what is your, I know there, there it can vary, account by account, but what is like your ideal structure you're working with, uh, prospecting campaigns, scaling campaigns, uh, retargeting, no retargeting, when yes, when no, and how, what, what is like your take and your vision on that? Um, as simple as you can. Keep it as simple as you can without, <laughs> without getting in your own way. So when I say that, I mean like use campaigns to like organize as you see fit don't don't worry too much about like just getting down to one campaign like if you want to great if you can make that make sense and work for you okay that's fine but like you know i'd rather separate my testing from my uh scaling or whatever you want to call it um i'd rather just have those as separate campaigns just organizationally and that's no problem with that and control wise um but i also understand the value of putting those all in one campaign I have clients that do that. That's totally fine. Um, But it's really just about, it's about consistency. That's what I look for is how do I just keep my structure consistent over time as best I can? Because I, I firmly believe there are no more hacks. There are, there are no more tricks to like structure to like beat the system. It's really just the game is, how do I get out of the way so that I can better understand the impact of my individual ad tests and how do I, or end or landing page tests or website optimization. And I always want to know, be able to look at my ad account back in time. I want to go like month to mm-hmm. month and understand very quickly and easily 
what first of all i want to have as few changes as possible in terms of structure mm -hmm. that way i can know oh my ads are getting better or my website got screwed up or some yeah. bug happened somewhere and that was the impact of that rather than it relating because those things happen rather than it relating being unsure if it was related to me trying this new campaign structure or switching from seven day click one day view and seven day click ad sets to only doing one day click ad sets to doing one day click uh, for some and seven day click for others. And like, yeah. just consolidate it, get it streamlined. You know, you can test and, and be, you know, obviously everyone has to test to learn these, a lot of these things that I now know, unfortunately, and you got to experiment with it. But the, I'm telling, I'm trying to say like, just be intentional about it. Be thoughtful about it. Think through what is the user experience? Who are the users that can see this ad? Who are the users that can engage with this ad? And what does that feel like for them? So when I say that, I mean, if you have a broad ad set that you're testing ads in, are there, are you letting your customer, your existing customers see that? If you are, what, how does that impact the performance of that ad? Is that helping your, your the system optimize to net new customers or is it hurting it? Okay, let's think about that. Then on top of that, like, okay, if I'm testing a new ad concept, is it helpful or hurtful for me to be showing that ad, to allowing the system to show that ad to users who have been to my site in the last day? Okay, yeah. probably not helpful. What about the last seven days? Maybe. What about the last 30 days? Maybe yes, maybe no. Think about those things and just don't worry about like testing which is better, right? There isn't a right answer to that, but you have, you know, it's about being careful about controlling. You don't want to control too much, but you also want to understand that the, the system is trying, you're trying to teach, let the system learn uh, how to optimize for the most actions that you want. So just be thoughtful about that and know that the system can be swayed by data, you know, like, by users like that. So typically, I like right now, I would set up a, camp, a testing campaign. Every ad set is a concept. Within that concept is three to six assets, ads, ideas, whatever, or well, one idea, but different iterations of it. I don't care if you use dynamic creative or not. Charlie's all about that. I don't really care. I think regular ads work fine uh, for that mm -hmm. purpose and are in a lot of ways easier to use um, when you eventually need to scale them. And you want to tweak them. Um, and then, you know, have those run with a consistent targeting. So preferably broad and preferably with some, you know, ex I would exclude customers and I would exclude some short recent visitors from that. Mm -hmm. um, and just each thing is a new, is a new, each test, each uh, ad set is a new concept that I'm testing or some, some belief I have that I want to try. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's the same ad with five landing pages. Maybe it's the, the same ad with five different versions of copy. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's five different new ads. Maybe it's the same ad with a different thumbnail, different hook, different whatever. Those are the things that I'm playing with. Um, and then my scaling campaign would be either be ASC or like a simple uh, prospecting scaling campaign with a couple ad sets in it, primarily broad yeah. and you know nothing crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, from what you said, that um, it shows that we should actually be like grateful that we have to do much less work in uh, understanding which people to target and retarget and so on, because the system knows how to do it, because the system yes. has learned a lot. Also from iOS 14, uh, yep. Facebook uh, potentiated a lot his machine learning, and now it is able to like do the the raw work yeah. that you should have done as a human before so like the retargeting <laughs> and so on yeah um so we should be actually grateful for this and understand that we and put the the right focus on what matters and what we can control mm -hmm. which is maybe not anymore knowing the the customer journey not knowing but yeah. like creating the customer journey right. uh, let him the system know show this at first then this then these two times uh, yeah. then back to the first the yeah. system is doing that for us and the asg plus is also helping us yeah. from this point of view and tells us hey no targeting uh, all of your best performing ads all of he all in here yeah here it is how it should work yeah <laughs> and like this. 
And by the way, I want to like go back for a sec, both to what you're saying and, and to something I said a second ago. Like, if you know that your ads might be shown to people that are familiar with your brand and not familiar with your brand, like, based on that, how what what page you drive them to on your website, what landing page, what messaging that is, and how they're going to interact with that varies tremendously based on where someone is in the funnel. So typically in the past, we'd control for that more, right? You'd be able to say like, okay, well, where, where it works best for prospecting, what works best for a cold user, uh, maybe it's this landing page. Um, but And then maybe you'd say for retargeting, oh, we'll just send them to the PDP. They're ready to mm -hmm. buy. Maybe the homepage, I don't know, whatever it is, maybe the category page. They're more ready to buy. Or you send them to the landing page for that specifically, or you send them to the same landing page and they might act differently. They might go try to as quickly as they can click to the homepage or click the buy now button, which is a very different type of action and activity than a, a cold user would take who wants to study more. So when you, you're looking at ad, you know, like the difference between two landing page perf like performance, it's skewed. So when you're using ASC now, that really, the whole point of that is like it benefits advertisers who are making the best broadly sensible relevant ads and landing pages that function for that that everyone so it's it kind of is unconventional a lot of people say like in marketing you know you have to like kind of either focus on one consumer focus on like this or focus on the, these this problem like but in reality like the a lot of the best wins i see are where you go broader and you get more encompassing things in one ad but you obviously can't do everything in one ad and everything in one landing page. So it's a weird catch 22 there, but that's what I'm seeing uh, a lot of people getting wrong about ASC and not understanding about like the value and potential of going fully broad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, to sum up like your, what, what you have been told right now uh, in this episode is like make ugly ads is a slogan which actually tells us a lot about uh, how people consume their social uh, time, their mm -hmm. social media time, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and we should focus like on having the ads that can resonate the most to our audience in order to make them last as long as possible. And this is possible in the Facebook ads and Instagram ads world. Uh, you don't need like a lot of creative refresh, creative testing, not that much. No, doesn't mean you have a good creative strategy as Sarah says always. Mm -hmm. um, then we spoke about like having the, the, the account structures. So uh, you have a simple structure, testing, prospecting um, and scaling with ASC mm -hmm. or other campaigns. And how do you assess the results of your ads? Like basically with spending, uh, if the in-platform data can tell you that, uh, but also understanding and being aware that if you are running multi-channel advertising campaigns, uh, it is, it is, it, there is an attribution problem, which is actually not a problem. Mm -hmm. The more, the most, the more the people see your ads, uh, maybe it's not that bad, and maybe every ad contributes to that final conversion mm -hmm. um yeah so i don't know if we covered everything uh if you have something more to say if not i would ask you to like advertise yourself let people sure. know how can they reach you out uh, what are you uh, up to right now sure yeah thanks thanks so much for having me this is this has been a blast love these these are some of my favorite questions i've ever been asked um <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to like kind of watch this back and and put some of these clips on like TikTok or whatever. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Bing Hot uh, at Barry Hot on tick uh, on TikTok. Uh, I'm also on YouTube Barry Hot on on YouTube. And you can uh, go to my website HotGrowth.com. That's Hot with two T's Growth.com uh, and find out I don't know more about me, how to work with me. I'm not. Probably, if anyone's watching this, I'm probably not taking on any more clients at this moment. But if you're <laughs> looking for performance ad creative, um, ad create that I advise, uh, they are potentially taking on more clients. Um, and they make some dope high performance UGC ads and other ads. Um, so if you want some of that, hit me up in my DMs and I'd be happy to, to connect you. 
That is great. So Barry, thank you very much for being my third guest uh, of podcasts. Uh, as always, three times I heard you and three times I can say that you provided so much value and so much insights. I'm thank sure you. that uh, people will find value in this. Um, of course, uh, this is, uh, as always, this is podcasts, uh, the, the podcast where I talk and I interview the maximum experts of digital marketing uh, in the world. Um, we we will speak soon, uh, Barry. Uh, I hope people will reach you out after this, and uh, definitely go follow Barry on Twitter. He's publishing like maybe one thread per week, if something I'm like not that, wrong, sure. on yeah, average. Sometimes. Yeah, whatever. And every every week I have something to learn, and uh, I'm sure that everyone can find value by following you on every social like you have. I, you, I will leave them well. in the descriptions. Thank you Thank so you much. And you're killing it too, man. Look at you're killing it. I gotta I gotta step up my Instagram game. You're killing it on there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. So um speak soon. Thank yep. thanks to everyone who has listened to here. Um see you soon. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs>